The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. And, you know, when I always start off the show, of course, I would like to tell people what matters to me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a little stuck today. You know, I'm, there's a couple things that are going on that, that I think that are relevant. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, what's uh, important to me and, um, you know, what matters to me today, I'm a little stuck. But I'm just going to say this. Let me just say this. Uh, we just had a Fourth of July celebration. So I'm going to say what matters to me is that I hope all those people out there uh, had a safe holiday and that those of you who went into the holiday uh, hoping to have a good time, that you had a good time. I know there were some people who lost some loved ones over the holiday. It always happens. I pray that those families uh, may have a a healing heart and that uh, next year's holiday is better than this one. So. Fourth of July is a, a big holiday for us here in the United States of America. It's unique to us here in this United States. So um, let's just say that. I just pray that you enjoyed it. For those of you who lost loved ones, I pray that you uh, feel better and that next year that you will celebrate and not mourn because when someone leaves this earth and goes on to our Heavenly Father, they are in a better place. So uh, let me just kind of get started a little bit. Today is, a, is going to be a great time for me and a great show. If you'd like to call in, 888-346-9144. Uh, as always, whenever I do this show, I like to be honest. I'm, I'm going to keep it real, 100, as we say. Uh, I just want everybody to know that uh, whenever I have a chance to uh, be honored, and I'm honored whenever I can have a, another member of the fraternity on the show with me, then uh, I want to do it whenever I can. And, and today I am, I am truly honored uh, to have one of my friends. It's, you know, sometimes we lose contact with each other, but thank God that, you know, we bump into each other again. We get a chance to talk and kind of get an update uh, because some of us have gone on, you know, and uh, once we're gone, we're gone. We'll, we'll see each other again, but sometimes we don't get a chance to do that. But sometimes we get a chance to catch up and, and believe me, when you go down that memory lane, it's a, it's a good thing. And uh, you hope and pray that things are well for them. And they are. And so today I want to welcome to the show uh, a friend of mine. And I, I want you guys to know, I'm, I'm going to say some things before I have him join the show. Uh, there's very few times in my life uh, that I've played a game of football where um, I found myself questioning uh, the, um, the legitimacy, if you will, uh, of a person um, to, uh, to be in that position uh, that he's in. For whatever reason it might be, most of the time it's pretty clear. But I, I want to tell you, when this young man stepped on the football field, uh, it was like I had to take time out 
go go talk to the coach for a minute and find out if indeed they had the right number on on this young man because when I talk about a big back man I'm talking a big back <laughs> I'm talking about somebody that's you know it's like they took uh, 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 George Foreman and put him in a, a football uniform and told him to play tailback of all positions. And, and, you know, as a strong safety, as a safety in the game, you know, you normally you're not concerned about size because when you play particularly strong safety, it doesn't make a difference to you about size because I don't care how big they are or how small they are, you have to come in contact with all of them. Now, when you play corner, sometimes you play corner, guards, tackles, you don't worry about them. That's not your job. You don't have to, you know, take them on too much. You get out the way if you want to do a – you know, if you want to, you know, wave the flag and let them go on by, let them go, that's okay. But as a strong safety, you know, we got to go up and we got to make contact with all of them. Well, that normally doesn't bother you except when it's a, a huge man. That he not only can run around you, he can run over you. And so that's when you get a little concerned. And you're like, Coach, are you sure? I'm, shouldn't he be on our side? Is there something wrong? So I want to introduce this man now to you, and, and it's, it's a great honor, as I said, Andre Hardy. Andre came out of St. Mary's College in, uh, out there in California, fourth-round pick, big running back, and it was a tremendous asset to our team. So, Andre, how you doing, man? I, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Ray, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for that amazing introduction. Man, man. you know I'm telling the truth too. Now, I, 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 man, you had you you can look around for years. It, I mean, come, I gotta say, Earl Campbell. Um, I, I don't I don't know if uh, O.J. Anderson might have been quite your size, but man, it was like not like today. You know, today they don't have to really worry about that that big punishing back that can run you down. You know, he he's going to run the defense down the whole game. He's going to have the ball 25 times, 30 times a game. You know, that's, that's how we played the game back then. But, man, you know, you, you were like a man, a league of your own. There was only a few of you guys that was big and strong and could do it all back in the day. So, uh Man, I'm glad you were on on our side, but I, that practice time, man, that, <laughs> that practice time, I mean, we we sit up at night and think about that, man. How I many, man? Would you, why don't you get in on this rep? Because I'm I'm not going. <laughs> but things are well. Is that right, Andre? Right, things are good, man. I am uh, I am blessed, man. I I don't know that that life could be any better. Someone asked me the other day, "How you doing?" I said, "Man, if I was doing just a millimeter better, I'd be floating." Wow. Well, that's good to hear, man, because, you know, there's many of us who, who've got a chance to, to, to reach the pinnacle of our profession, but there were other aspects of, of the profession that weren't so good to us. And so whether it was a transition, yeah. whether it be just the, a healthy transition, or if it were a transition just into life afterwards, it was, uh, you know, quite challenging for some people. So it's, it's good to hear uh, good stories like yours. But, uh, man, I, I want people, I, I didn't do a good enough job in my introduction you know I know there's so much more that I want people to know uh, again about my good friend uh, Andre Hardy uh, who is a former running back for the Philadelphia Eagles was the time I spent with you you know and I know you went on and and so but before we you talk about those other teams you play for man just tell us a little bit man growing up uh, and if I'm not mistaken on the west coast am I correct yeah I uh, I grew up in San Diego I was I was I was born in San Diego um you know that's that's the city of the Heisman. We we grow them there. There's been four of them: Marcus, Reggie, uh, Ricky Williams, and uh, Rashad. So, you know it's a it's a it's a vibrant football community. 
uh, a very small African-American community, by the way, but a vibrant football community where, um, you know, it's important. It's important. So, yeah, I grew, I grew up in San Diego. And so growing I mean, up... I, I wasn't... I'm sorry, Andre. Growing up in San Diego at, at such... Uh, you know, a time, like you said, the community did not have a large population of African-Americans. Uh, did, did you grow up playing football in your early years? Uh, you know, prior to high school, were you playing football in Pop Warner? No, you know, Ray, I didn't put on a football uniform until I was in the 11th grade of high school. I went to, I spent a lot of time at a private Christian school growing up, and they didn't have, you know, organized sports. And, um... There wasn't, you know, I didn't have that ability to actually play growing up. I mean, I always wanted to. And, of course, I played, you know, Sandlot, where you get out on the field, you know, with the fellas and, and, and play. But I never played an organized game until I was in the 11th grade. And, and, of, and of course, I was extremely raw. And I didn't play, to, to be honest with you. The guy in front of me was actually really good. So I didn't play a game until the 11th grade. I didn't start a game until the 12th grade. It was the first time I actually started a football game. Wow. Now, what's really interesting about that is you mentioned already one name I'll never forget in my life was the, the great Hall of Famer Marcus Allen. So, obviously, there was already uh, at least somebody for you to look at and look up to in terms of you know, perhaps maybe if I played the game, uh, that's the, the measurement of success. But why was it that up until that time, and, and of course, when you're in the uh, 11th grade, Marcus is in college, if not pros already, what took you so long to step on the football field? Well, it was interesting. Marcus actually was a senior when I was a junior. He was a year ahead of me. But, you know, me getting on the football field was, you know, I, I grew up in a house with all women. Father wasn't around. It was me and my three older sisters. And... You know, they didn't understand football. What they understood from football actually came from my my uncle, who went out, and he tells a story of going out for one play and getting tackled and getting up and throwing his equipment and wanting to fight. <laughs> so that was the extent of what the family, you know, knew about football. And here comes, here I come saying, Mom, you know, I want to play, I want to play. And, and, and in spite of the fact that I had never played, the vision that I was going to be a pro was there. The first time I saw a game on TV, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. And that, that, that focus, that, that laser focus on what my life could be, that seed was born very early on. And, 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 and though I didn't play organized football, I had no idea what it meant to be on TV. There was a, there was a, there was a seed planted. And, and, of course, once I began to play, I still have no idea what it means, but it, it gradually turned into, you know, okay, I could probably do something with this. Now, you said that that laser focus, and, and that was, was there a passion for you? You saw that person, you saw that game. Was it something or somebody in that game that, that you saw and, and you liked, or was it, was it the game itself that brought about this laser focus? It, it was the pageantry, Ray. It was, it was you know, the spectacle, it was, you know, it was, it was seeing the crowd. It was, you know, it was hearing the cheering and it was, you know, somebody getting in the end zone and all of the people, you know, the adulation that comes 
with that, I'm like, you know, that looks like kind of cool, and it looks like something that I might be able to do. Now, all of this is, is of course, based upon what it's like out on the field when we're playing with the fellas and nobody can catch me. And I'm thinking, shoot, if they're a pro, I can be a pro. Wow. Now, let me ask you, I mean, the the high school, I I don't think we mentioned it by name, but let's mention it by name and tell me a little bit about the high school program. Was it one of which uh, they were, you know, just manufacturing ball players or were you? No, uh, we were, we were, we were terrible. My, my, uh, my high school, is a baseball school. It, it, it was a baseball school. Well, let me let me let, let me say that a few people leaked out of football. It's, it's actually um, the school that William Gay went to. I don't know if you remember William Detroit Lions. Yes, yes. And and, and we will we will connect that up a little bit later on. But um, so William Gay slipped out. But we were made basically a baseball school. It's a school that Ted Williams went to. Uh, Mike Davis went there, and there were another other. Uh, um, uh, kids who went there who were tremendous baseball players. But in terms of football, I think we won one game my junior year and maybe two our senior year. And as fate would have it, I play in the same conference as the great Marcus Allen. And I remember very clearly the first time that Marcus Allen came to tackle me. And I realized that, whoa. This is a little bit different than what we've been doing over at Hoover. <laughs> they play a little bit different over there at Lincoln, or or what or what the folks in San Diego call it, the Hive. They're the Lincoln Hornets, and, it, and it's called the Hive. So, yeah, I got I got a taste of Marcus Allen. Wow, wow. Well, I'll tell you what. What we're gonna do? We're gonna take a break. Uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to continue to have this conversation, Andre, because I am extremely excited about hearing more about how your life developed. And particularly, we want to talk about having that opportunity to go on and, and, and leave your hometown and play at the college level, because that, that's truly an exciting period of time of, of most young men's life. And I, I'm sure yours will be the same. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Andre Hardy. Former big tailback for the Philadelphia Eagles will be right back with us after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I told you what matters to me is I hope that uh, everyone out there had a great 4th of July. I'm sure there were some people who, of course, lost some loved ones over this holiday weekend. I uh, pray that uh, that your life uh, continues to um, stay focused on what's more important uh, and that is not the time that you will not have with them in the future, but the time that you had with them in the past. And I pray they were great moments. And then next year, don't mourn, but celebrate the fact that, again, you had great moments with those people that have gone on to a better place up in heaven. So I'll tell you what's great for me is whenever I, as I told you when I started this show off, when I got a member of the fraternity that I can spend some time with and we can go down memory lane. Uh, it's always good to do that because there's many of us that uh, that are not with us anymore. So I have my good friend Andre Hardy, who is a former uh, running back out of St. Mary's College in California, uh, talking about growing up, of course, in, in California and in a San Diego area. Uh, where the great Marcus Allen, of course, uh, you know, played in that same uh, conference that he played in high school. And we talked a little bit about Marcus on that break, uh, particularly the fact that Marcus was on the defensive side of the ball, got a chance to, uh, uh, I'll say, make contact. Uh, I don't know if it was a collision, but make contact with you, Andre. So <laughs> let's pick up on that a little bit. You know, Marcus, who we all know, uh, is known for being an outstanding, one of the greatest running backs of all time, obviously, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, again, not a bad defensive player, I assume. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, Marcus Allen is, is, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. He was an amazing, an amazing safety. Um, and he played quarterback in high school. I think in the championship game, Marcus scored five touchdowns, returned a couple of punts, ran one for about 80. You know, that, that same kind of stuff he did in the Super Bowl. Marcus, and, and Marcus was a fantastic basketball player and could have went, could have played basketball in college and, and he could hit hit a baseball a mile. So he was Marcus was uh, Marcus is one of my all time favorites. Yeah, mine too. I, I I've always told people. As a matter of fact, I got a chance when I was in uh, at home during uh, Marcus's uh, induction class. Of the pro football into the pro football hall of fame i got a chance to spend some time with his brother don't recall his name but i i just had to tell him a story uh of which i tell everybody uh is that when i played in the rose bowl the 1980 rose bowl uh we were undefeated at ohio state i think usc may have lost one game so we go into what is the national championship game for ohio state at least and had we won that game because we were number one we would have been crowned the national champions uh, we go into that game heavily prepared, overly prepared to stop the tailback of the USC Trojans, who everybody knows at that time, a Heisman Trophy winner himself, Charles White. Game preparation was all about Charles White, of course, uh, huge offensive line. So trying to do what we could to try to maintain the running game of Charles White uh, and not let that offensive line just, um, you know, massacre our defensive line, which they accomplished. They did it anyway. But and, and then, of course, uh, uh, Kevin Williams out there, you know, Olympic sprinter, you know, don't let him get over top of the defense. And, you know, I'm I'm going to take the blame for it. There's, there's an excuse that I could use, but I'm going to take <laughs> the, the blame for it. He took me on a long one, man. And uh, and, and it, was, it was a long day. It was a great game. But the surprise of the game was when I went back to the huddle and I told people early in the game was when they handed the ball to the fullback, which it was the, so much preparation for 
Charles White that I didn't even know the fullback's name. I just went back to the huddle. And you know how sometimes in a huddle, Andre, it could be a lot of commotion going on. And, the, and the, either the quarterback or the middle linebacker who's calling the huddle, you know, and calling the plays has to get the huddle under control. So there was some commotion going on. So I, being the corner, not the linebacker, jumped in that huddle, told everybody, hey, shut up, shut up. Listen, I'm telling y'all, if that fullback get that damn ball again, I'm telling you, <laughs> you better get on your horse because he can go. We had no idea. Marcus got something inside, bounced it outside. Next thing you know, man, I dug down deep everything I had in me to try to get him from turning that corner because if he turned that corner, he was gone. And, and I yeah. later found out that that fullback was Marcus Allen. And, and that's the kind of player you're talking about, the tough player that he was. But, man, listen, you're a tough player yourself. We got enough about Marcus, enough about Charles White. Let's talk about you. Now, you played a couple years in high school, and next thing you find yourself, at least you got one offer if you didn't get 100 offers. You got one that you went ahead and decided, I'm going to go here to St. Mary's College and play some football. Talk a little bit about how you made that decision that, okay, St. Mary's is a place for me. Well, Ray, I actually took the long and winding road to end up at, at St. Mary's. I actually spent a couple of years in, in, in junior college. My, I went to San Diego City College, and after my first year, I, I think I graduated high school. I may have still been like 16 years old, and uh, you know, I'm still a little bit raw, but I'm, 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 getting, the, I'm getting the game figured out. In my freshman year at junior college, I averaged like seven yards a carry. Ray, I cannot wow. stop. Wow. But I come back the following year, and this is, this is what's fascinating about, about the, the game and, and, and life. You know, I worked extremely hard over that offseason, as hard as I've ever worked at anything. But I came back that following year, and I could not put it together. I had maybe the worst season of my football career after – preparation um I, I prepared but i just wasn't able to get it together so i didn't really know if uh you know if i was going to get a scholarship my backfield mate was actually it was a fullback robert farmer great fullback and uh you know we're both being recruited and 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 i think people brought me along on the trip just to sort of make me <laughs> just to just to sort of say, hey, maybe we can get a package deal or maybe this guy can help us land Robert. But, you know, what, what happened was I was, a, a, you know, a, a fantastic athlete and could jump out of the gym. I, I had a vertical that was probably close to, to probably in the 40s. And we were up at Weber State, and the coaches, you know, obviously real bright. Mike Price had just got the job. So he throws all of the recruits in the in the gym to play basketball, and we started to have a dunk contest. And back in the day, I could do all the windmills and all of this and that. Wow. And all of a sudden, that night at the the dinner, I was sitting next to the head coach and got all the kind of love that I actually needed to make my choice about where I would start my college. And I started out at Weber State, which which interestingly enough, at that time, it was the early 80s, turned out not to be quite the best choice from, for a young brother from Southern California. Okay. This, this is Ogden, Utah, in the early 80s. Mm, mm. And it just was not a good fit for me. Okay. 
And so I ended up leaving, leaving uh, Weber State and uh, going to St. Mary's. And, I, and uh, there was actually a time when I thought, well, man, I don't even know if I'm going to play football again. I left Weber State on not the best terms. And uh, Coach Price was kind enough to reach out to the head coach at St. Mary's, whose name was Dick Manini. And over the summer, I think Dick Manini called my house maybe 25, 30 times, and I would never call him back. I was, I was, uh, I was depressed about the way that I ended up leaving Weaver State. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, screw this football thing. I'm going to go out and get a job. And my, my mom came to me. She goes, you know, you need to at least do the man a courtesy and call him back. Can you at least do that? So I called him back, and, 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 you know, he says, you know, okay, so we've got your transcripts. I don't know if we can get you in school, but why don't you just come up? By this time, their practice had already started. He says, why don't you just, just come up and see? So I remember borrowing $40 from my sister. It was all the money I had. $20 bought me a bus ticket to Moraga, California, and I kept 20 in case I needed to come back home. I didn't eat. I just went. They picked me up, and it's time to go to practice. And I, and I walk on the field, and there are all my new teammates. And, uh, you know, the coach sits me down, and he says, he says, uh, listen, whatever happened in the past is over with. Mm. This is a fresh start. And um, let's go out and practice and, and see what you can do. And so... I think I was there maybe maybe two days, and we had a scrimmage. And I scored six touchdowns, and next thing you know, Ray, I'm in school. <laughs> I'm in school. The, the transcripts has worked out and everything, and, and everything worked out for me. And, and, you know, my best friends to this day are the guys that I met at St. Mary's. They took me in, embraced me, and... Another thing happened happened at St. Mary's. There was a there was a competitive academic environment. Guys were proud about the grades that they made. Wow! So you know me being the competitor I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, well if that's if that's the game we're playing, let's see what kind of grade point average Andre could get. And so, you know, as the football thing began to work out, so did so did the academics. And you know, I began to study and. It was transformative, my time at St. Mary's. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing that we haven't brought up, and I'm good to hear that part about the academics because, you know, that's been an issue. It was an issue back then. Uh, it remains to be an issue today, and we want to encourage all those young men and women who are student athletes to focus and put as much time into the the time of your side of a student as you do is that that you put in uh, uh, on the athletic side because the results will be very similar if if you're good and you're great and you put in uh, you will be well if you're good you'll be better and if you're if you're very good you will reach uh, some great success so uh, what we're going to do is Andre we're going to come back and talk a little bit because I still want people to understand there was a man a big man that walked out on that football field. So I'm sure that St. Mary was quite impressed with the fact that they had this big man step on, on that field and do those things. And, of course, those, those six touchdowns and, and that short scrimmage was, was extremely impressive. But uh, then he continued to impress people 
and and got a chance uh, for the lights to shine and for him to run out there on that field on, on Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back. But uh, as I see the time is winding down, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Andre Hardy is with me and he will be with me after this break as well. We'll be right back. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. I got my man on the phone with me, Andre Hart, former running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Andre, when you left us, you spent some time with a couple other teams. Am I correct? I'm sorry, Ray. I'm sorry. I'm saying oh, that again. Oh, that's okay. I said, uh, of course, when you left us in Philadelphia, you spent some time with a couple other teams in the National Football League. Am I correct? I did. I did. I, uh, I uh, went to Seattle and then to San Francisco, and then back again to Seattle. Right, okay. Well, listen, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I don't want to jump too far ahead, so let's go back. You know, we talk about uh, St. Mary's, and, and, and that's obviously where uh, the light must have went on for you, and uh, something must have kicked in, and the career just changed direction. Obviously, it became one that was a very good college career that, that got the attention of the National Football League. Can you remember, you know, what it was or how it happened uh, that things kind of changed from this person who was a little bit disgruntled early on his college life and then was able to get together, get it together, and, and things just are changing in college for you? Yeah, Ray, it was, uh, you know, it was that, 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 that dream. I, I like to think that, that our dreams, they either they guide us but when we ignore them, they will destroy us because they're incessant. They will not go away. So for me, it was this, this, this idea that was planted way, way back that this is what I am supposed to be doing. And so 
you know, when I, when I, when I think about my career, I just looked at models and I looked at, okay, I'm six foot, two and a half, six, three. I weigh 235 pounds. Um, I probably should be running about a four, five, 40. Let me set about doing that. And that is, and that's what I did. And in the process of, of, of reaching for that particular goal, you know, I developed into this, this, this running back that was big and fast. And, and, you know, I was gifted with, with good feet and great hands. And so when you put that together with me playing in division two football, I was kind of hard to deal with um, because I could outrun everybody and I could run over them. And, 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 and Ray, I worked, I, I, I showed up to work. That, that's, that's one thing that I did is I, I will show up to work. And once I get, once I get focused on something, you can pretty much count on me to show up and give it everything that I got. So, you know, as, as we begin to play, I never, I never will forget this moment because I'm not, you know, while the, the idea that I can be a professional is in the back of my mind, it didn't become real until after we played a game against Cal Luther. And I remember the quarterback from the, 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 the other team coming up to me and said, hey, hey, Andre, nice game. I just want you to know my, uh, my brother is a scout for the Dallas Cowboys, and they like you. And I laughed. I'm like, are you kidding? What? The Dallas Cowboys like me? Wow. So at that point, Ray, I really didn't have any concept about what, what was happening around me. It wasn't until, until my senior year when there was an NFL scout on the field. Uh, there, there were lots of scouts in the field, and there were agents showing up at St. Mary's. And now we're this little Division II school in the Bay Area with Stanford and Cal. But, Andre, let me ask the question, who are they showing up to see? They were showing up to see Andre Hardy. There right? you go. There you go. They, I mean, that's a, were, and that I think is the reality is when out of a sudden, when if you're in high school and college scouts are showing up, if you're in college and pro scouts are showing up, the reality kind of sits in when you then find out who they're there to see. And then that challenge of if you can impress them enough, do you ever think that it came that once that reality had set in that, wow, they're here to see me? Was there, again, a moment where a light went off where I now have to impress them because I don't want to disappoint them? Was there anything like that taking place that the pressure was on to perform? Ray, I never, I never looked at it like that because because I was one of those guys that just went full speed. I didn't, I don't know that I really, I really had, you know, another gear. I just went out. For instance, we used to, we used to have a 12 minute run every, every day before practice. And my job on that 12 minute run was to make sure that I finished first every day and that I would lap as many people as I could. And you know what I did, Ray? I finished first every day. And my goal was to lap people, and, and, and I did. So I didn't know, you know, I think, you know, there, there's this screw loose that when I get fixated on something, I just go 
as hard as I can. And that's really what happened. And, you know, in the process, I just developed. I will say this, Andre, and again, whenever I have a guest on the show, it's, it's never for, for me to exchange, you know, one-up them or them one-up me. But I will say what is consistent when I have, obviously, members of the fraternity have reached that, that pinnacle of the profession, whereas, you know, there is a separation. There is what you call the Hall of Famers. But, you know, still the pinnacle of the profession is to make it in the league. And those who make it in the league can tell stories very similar to yours, which separates you from everybody else. And that is, I think Kevin Harder says, everybody want to be great, but nobody want to put in the work. <laughs> you yeah, know, and, and, and here you are, you wanting to be great and you put in the work. But what that becomes is that truly becomes a blueprint for those who are looking to greatness for them to see it. And for me, I remember being young and, and having the opportunity for great men of a sport to just shake my hand, not give me any instructions, but to shake my hand because I knew who they were. And then I also saw some examples of how they worked. So I'm going to give you kudos for setting that example, because then when you made it, when you were that fourth round draft pick, those who came after you that were younger than you or even in your class could look to you. And those who were before you could look back to you and say, OK, I, I see it. It doesn't surprise you. And I'm sure you know when you've seen, like I said, when you walked down the field, okay, I, I know what I was looking at. So you see it, and it doesn't, it doesn't surprise you when you see it because they put in that work. And, and, and obviously that work was, was rewarding for you, man. Let me ask you about that being drafted uh, the, in the fourth round of the National Football League. Man, what was that day like for you? Oh, man, that was an amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing day, you know. Um, you know, in, in my naivete, you know, I, I thought that I would be drafted higher simply because when I went to the combine and compared myself with the rest of the guys there, I'm like, oh man, I'm way better than anybody on this field. And my, my numbers, you know, my numbers said that, of course, coming from a division two school, there's always that, that concept that, oh, maybe this guy can't play at the you know the highest level he's 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 racking up these numbers against lesser talent and maybe he can't you know perform at the on the big stage i think that is probably what prevented me from being picked you know a little bit higher but nevertheless ray that that moment you know it is it is the it is both the culmination and the birth of of a dream because now it becomes you're drafted, and now you've got to get to work. And I remember I, I get drafted, I get on a plane, and I go to meet my coach, Billy Williams. Remember Billy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy, Billy sits me down and says, yeah, you know, uh, and, Billy, and Billy actually followed me. Billy was at every one of my stations at the combine. Wow. And so um, Billy sits me down. He goes, hey, uh, you know, Andre, we're really glad to have you here, and we're going to give you every opportunity to make the team. And I remember, like, turning my head kind of sideways. I'm thinking, every opportunity to make the team, I'm planning on starting. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm coming in here to play. I'm not thinking about, you know, taking a back seat. And, 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 you know, another thing, you know, a beautiful thing about this fraternity, Wilbert Montgomery took time out of his schedule 
to take me in his car. We drove around Philadelphia. We talked about the business. He took me to a charity event. He, you know, he gave me, as, as we say on the streets, he gave me the game. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, he talked about how to conduct myself as a pro and who to be and, 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 and you know, what to stay away from. And, and he was really gracious in that way. And it, what it did was it, it, it was an eye-opener. It set the stage for me to, to become a professional, not, not just a football player, but a professional. Because one thing you, don't, you, you can't see when you watch the game on TV and you listen to media reports and you, you hear about all of the bad things that are reported about athletes, 99.9% of the men that play professional football are solid, solid, solid human beings. 99.9% of them are solid human beings. And, and I learned that day one. I went from Billy Williams' office down to the locker room and got in the car with Wilbur Montgomery. And Andre, Man. just to, just to add to that, so the folks who understand who are listening, uh, as you said, you know, Billy said to you, as your coach, we're going to give you every opportunity there is to make this team. You in your mind were thinking, man, make this team. I'm going to start. I'm going to work yeah. so hard that I'm starting on this team. And then, <laughs> but, but, but here's the kicker to that. In order for you to start, you have to beat out the man who is now taking you around in his car to show you the ins and outs of the National Football League. They talk about reality shows on TV. There's no reality show like the <laughs> National Football League. And just there to say, you see what I'm saying? This, this man knows that they drafted you in the fourth round. Now, he knows that they want to give him maybe less carriers, and he knows that if they drafted you, that, that's saying that, you know, you didn't just come there. They went out and got you, bought you, and made you a member of that team, and you play the same position he plays, and that means like, wow. But, but that, like you said, that says something about the character of the individuals. And I just want to give you kudos for, again, recognizing that, complimenting that, and being that same kind of person yourself. Man, so, so finish the story because we're going to talk. I want to talk a little bit more. Let's talk about that career in the National Football League because this is the last segment. I, I, I merged the two segments together because I want to talk about that post-career because you're doing great things. But go ahead and get that in about that relationship with Wilbert and, of course, that career in the National Football League so we can talk about, you know, what you've been doing afterwards. Okay. Well, you know, Wilbert was, was you know, he was good to me. He showed me the ropes and Ray. You know, I think that you, you, you may recall, my first day on the field, I am a wild man. <laughs> I am there to, I remember the first time that I got the ball, I turned the corner, and there is Herman Edwards. Mm. And I dropped my <laughs> pad and stepped on Herman and mm. stepped in his chest and stepped on his helmet. <laughs> and Herman comes to me afterwards, he says, hey, man, slow down. Homeboy, homeboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to slow down. This is just practice. I mean, I got in a fight with Joel the first day because I'm out there. You know, I am there. I have, I have a chip on my shoulder, and I have all, every intention of not, of not only making a team, but I, you know, I intend to play. Mm. I, I'm here to, I'm here to play. And, uh, you know, very early on, you know, I got a chance to play. I got carries the first game, you know, against the Giants, and, and I remember our dearly departed brother, you know, Andre Waters, yes. who Andre and I were rookies together, and, and, and we used to hang out. Andre taught me how to open a beer 
a, a beer bottle with a key. <laughs> <laughs> I never had that skill. Dre, but, uh, Dre, 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 the two Dre's yeah, together. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I remember Andre coming, you know, I'm running off the sideline. He, he says to me, and he's as wide-eyed as, as I am, he says, you just ran over Harry Carson. Mm. And I'm like, really? I didn't see him. I was, <laughs> you know, I was just running. I didn't, I was just running, Ray. Give me the ball, and you know what? If somebody's in the hole, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to run over the top of you if I can't get around you. And so, you know, that was the nature of, of, of how I played the game. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I went my entire um, career in college without missing a game. But was you know was 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 snake bit as a pro with with an Achilles tendon very mm. very early on I I started to have you know Achilles problems and I, and I you know I had a tremendous preseason I don't know if you remember Ray I led the team in rushing and you know there was a there was a thought that I would have you know a fantastic career mm-hmm. in, in 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 Philadelphia not only in Philadelphia but a a fantastic career in the National Football League. But, you know, my body began to betray me very, very early on. And, um, you know, it eventually got to the point where I was unable to do what I did. Yeah, and that's one of those things where I think people, you know, many times when you look at athletes and, and you can look at the body, and, and and the body doesn't necessarily reveal what's really going on with the body. And you and you look at somebody and you think because they're so big and so strong and so fast that they can last forever in the National Football League. And that, that's not always the case because there's so many parts to the body. And particularly in a sport like football, that can break down on you. The smallest uh, piece of your body could be the most important you know, piece oh, of your body. Some people don't great. understand running backs know you get that turf toe. You get a turf toe. And your career could be over with. <laughs> Just a yeah, toe, be, and your career could be, be over with. Yeah, I mean, because, again, you are functioning at the highest, highest level. And everybody else, and, and, and the difference between good and great is razor thin. Yes, it is. what most people don't get. And so the minute you lose a half step, you know, Ray, you used to play corner, mess around and don't open up on time. Oh, yeah, and you're watch, right. And watch somebody go over the top and, and embarrass you on TV. That's right. That's how it goes. That's right. So if you are if you are a half step off, you you can't keep up. You cannot keep up. And so that, you know, that began to happen to me. And, and you know, I remember when Coach, Coach Campbell, he, he cut me. He goes, man, you don't know how this hurts me. I sure would like to have you here because I know you can play, but Andre, you just cannot stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. And I go to and I go to Seattle. And it's a similar thing. I break my hand in 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 the first hour of practice, and I missed the entire season. Wow. And so it just was a series of 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 injuries, and and nothing big, but injuries that derailed my career and led me to believe that what I was to take away from this this sport was simply the journey. That was my gift. That is what football was to me. It, I was there to to absorb the journey and take that with me 
into the latter stages of my life. And, and that's, that's really what, what has happened. And that's what I want you to talk about, Andre. Talk about that, that journey and particularly some of those transferable skills of which you were able to take from the game of football into life outside of football, at least on the field, because you still had this the status of being a, a, a successful professional athlete uh, who had gone to a wonderful university, got your degree, moved on, and, and then you were able to bring some of that uh, to the workforce, and you've been doing some great things after. So why don't you go, that's a great leader, and why don't you go in and share some of those things that you did immediately after football, some a little afterwards, and, and bring us up to date, and then also what you want to do in the future, what you'll be doing in the future. Okay, well, you know, what, what, what's interesting about this, this journey in football is that I had an opportunity to be in the room with some of the greatest coaches that have ever coached the game of football and watch them work and lead men. And I'm talking about Chuck Knox and Bill Walsh and George Seifert and Ray Rhodes and Sherman Smith and Mike Holmgren and Tom Coughlin. And these are, these men are great, great leaders. And you, through osmosis, you begin to absorb this stuff if you're paying attention. And so what I took away from the game and what I've used in my business career are these, are these this, this ability to lead but not only that, what happens when, you, when you're involved with a game like football? It is 100% strategy. You spend your week looking at strategy, and you're looking for opportunities and looking for places where the opponent might be weak, and then backing into plans by which you can exploit that. Well, Ray, that's business. That is exactly what business is. I was handed the keys to a company that had lost a million dollars over two years in a row. The first day, the first year that they had me the keys, the company made a million. So we erased that, that million-dollar deficit, and we made a million. Yeah. And there was no magic to what I did other than, okay, wait, let's take a 30,000-foot look at this, and let's, let's look at the components and the variables of what it is that we're doing, and then let's devise strategies to combat that. And it's all football. It was all, I, all I did was use football and film study and the things that I learned in those rooms watching Bill Walsh design a play to get Jerry Rice open. I just all, that's all that I did. And that's all basically that I do. And, and that's all that I've done in my business career. And, and I've, had, I've had an extremely successful career in both the nonprofit and the for profit se- se- uh, sectors. And so, you know, I've taken those, those lessons, and now I've applied them to you know, a, a new passion. I'm, I'm, I'm an author, and I'm writing full-time. And, the, you know, the lessons of this journey from, you know, that, that I experienced from this kid who didn't play football in high school, it's, it's, it's parallel. I didn't begin writing until I was, you know, 45 or whatever. And so... It's saying I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a late bloomer, but still I'm focused, I'm determined. And this, this goal for me is not, uh, not to be in the NFL, but it's to be in the equivalent. And my goal is New York Times bestseller. That's where I'm headed. Wow. And there's no, there's no, there's not an iota of doubt in my mind that I'm going to land there. Just like there was never a doubt that I would land, um, in the NFL, and I hope the listeners do not take this as me bragging. And this is not 
this is not me beating my chest at all. What this is 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 a is a man who has a very 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 fine focus on what he what it is that he wants and understands that if I pursue it with everything that I have, the universe has nothing to do but obey. That's how it works. And I want to add to that. I want to add to that a little bit too, Andre. And I want to say, you know, that's a man. There's a difference in, in confidence and cockiness. And this is a man because of his preparation. He knows that he's prepared for the time, and the time is now. Ain't no stopping you now, Dre. I just want to say that to you, man. I I, I just want you to know that I I'm, I'm extremely happy. I can feel your passion for your future work of, of what you're going to do. And, and you're going to make that New York Times bestseller list. And I can't wait to read that book. Let me just ask you in closing, because we got about uh, three minutes here in closing. Uh, talk to me, if you will, about two minutes in terms of, the, you know, your writing. You know, do, do, you, do you visualize the words on paper? Do you, do you see the words? and uh, Do they play out in your mind? How does, when it comes that time for you to put pen to paper, but now we put, we put fingertips to, 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 key, to, um, to the keyboard <laughs> nowadays, but how does that start off? Or do you take a, a, a digital recorder and just talking to the recorder? How do you come up with these stories and these books that you write? Where does that start? Ray, I see, I, I, I see them. They, they typically start, you know, as a germ, and they, they start as a, as a what-if. You know, I do a couple of kinds of writing. I wrote a couple of screenplays that are, that are in the hands of producers, and I, and I just recently ghost-wrote a book called Tripping Into the Light. But my passion is, is fiction. And so I see the scenes. They come to me. They come from a place that I'm not quite sure where they come from. And sometimes, Ray, I don't know where the words come from because I can get in the middle of the scene and the characters just take it over. And I feel like I'm, I am, uh, I'm a court reporter and I'm just there to observe as the magic happens. And that, let me tell you something, Ray, is the most beautiful thing in the world to lose yourself and get connected to whatever that source might be and to have those words come through your body and out of your fingertips. It's surreal. It's, 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 it is absolutely surreal. And any writer who's listening to this will know what I'm talking about. Well, I'll tell you what, Dre, we got a minute, so I'm going to have to close the show. But I, I just want to say this. It doesn't surprise me because I will tell you this, and I know from my own experience of being out on the football field, Running backs will tell you how they did what they did. They don't know. It's just, it just happens. You can't plan for a move you're going to throw on somebody. You right. can't plan <laughs> that, that you're going it to. It just happens. And, and, it, and it, I'm going to tell you, it's majestical. Because when you see a great running back, a big boy, a small boy, put moves, it's just so fluid. And you just do it like it's, it's a gift. It, it's nothing. You can practice all you want to, but when you really – in that zone, as we talk about, and I know you've been there. When you're in that zone, you can't explain it. So listen, yeah. man, when that next book comes to you, <laughs> I, you know, just tell them I can't, I can't explain it. When that next book comes to you, just tell them you can't explain it. Andre, man, I thank you so much. It's been a great time to, to, that I've spent with you this, this last hour, I believe it's been. I hope to spend more with you. I want to stay in touch with you. Uh, I know you've got some things uh, out there that people will certainly enjoy uh, their time uh, once they pick up that book. 
book, uh, whether it be in a digital format or it be in hardback. But I want to thank you so much again. That was Andre Hardy, former running back and teammate of mine with, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, he spent time with the, uh, with the world champions, uh, Seattle Seahawks. They just won it this year. And also with those world champions of years ago, the San Francisco 49ers. But a great friend, a great man, and you will hear more from him. But I want to thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll be right back.